0: Hello everyone and welcome to a Current Affairs and Marine Science podcast set in Southern Africa with me as your host Dr Janis Kirsten of Geekoskebe Media and today we are talking about aquaculture in South Africa with a guest, Prof Neil Vine of the University of Fort Hare. Welcome to the show Neil.
1: Thanks very much Yanis. nice to be here and hello to everybody out there.
0: Thanks for joining us, uh, I saw your talk recently um, to the Italian embassy was it?
1: Was it That's right yes.
0: Uh, Italian, Italian delegation, uh, yes. Yeah, delegations talk about uh, opportunities of collaboration and funding and things like that between Italy and South Africa. And you were giving a rundown of um, what the scene of aquaculture industry looks like in South Coast so it was very interesting, very insightful. Uh, but before we get too deep into that, can you give us a rundown of kind of your work in history in, this, in the space and industry?
1: Sure, thanks, Giannis. Um, So I was fortunate to, to, to do my doctorate at uh, and my, my undergraduate and doctorate uh, degree at Rhodes University in Grahamstown in the Department of ichthyology and Fisheries Science, which um, is is a, a centre of excellence for um, uh, aquaculture and fisheries science research in Southern Africa. And uh, while there, I was uh, exposed to various aquaculture projects uh, with with you know my friends, uh, other students who, who were working in, in various other disciplines. Um, so it gave me a really good uh, grounding and background in in, um, in in sort of the whole general scope of South African um, aquaculture uh, happenings, which uh, have been sort of been building over the last 20 years. Uh, I was then fortunate to go and work in industry for a few years at, at, a, at a marine finfish farm and then um, did some consulting for a while and then came back into academia where I am now at the University of Fort Hare which is uh, uh, based in Alice the main campus the science and agriculture Campus. Um, faculty is based in Alice but I have a research unit uh, set up at the fish farm in the East London IDZ where I live in East London and um, I have a number of students who are based there and conduct their research uh, both at the fish farm and out at the the Abalone Farm, Wild Coast Abalone Farm. Um, And uh, my unit is called the Fort Hare Aquaculture Research Unit, um, which I'll post details of, uh, or send you details later to post to the the listeners. Um, I'm also currently the Chair of the Aquaculture Association of Southern Africa. Um, and that association is uh, responsible for disseminating information to the um, uh, local aquaculture community. We organize conferences, and uh, we have a biennial conference. We host our conferences here in Stellenbosch. We had had, um, uh, about uh, 300 people who who attended the conference. It was a bit smaller than it's been in the past, but um, we're hoping that the next conference, which will obviously be in 2024, will be um, a lot better attended um, as people were, you know, very excited at the idea of, of, of you know, conferencing and getting, you know, getting a, a, up to speed again with uh, with the latest developments and, and research that's been happening in the sector.
0: What kind of research do you guys do at, at Fortier? What are the major things you're trying to test? So I
1: I like to do um, a lot of applied and, and um, relevant uh, research that's um, uh, driven by the industry itself so uh being based on the fish farm here at kingfish enterprises which is the um uh they they're a dusky cob and uh, yellowtail kingfish uh, cereola the landy uh, finfish farm so i try and you know chat to the chat to the uh the management on the farm discuss where they where they see the, the the areas are that they're needing um a little bit of, of research to be done and often it's not as uh, you know farm based research can be a lot quicker and a bit more crude you know they're wanting a quick result but unfortunately if you wanting to do it as a master's or a phd you know you have to go into a little bit more detail and it's you know things have to be done a little bit more carefully um and so things can sometimes take a bit longer than than, than might happen if the farmer trying to run some very basic experiments on their own. But I I look at uh, I've had students looking at uh, finfish nutrition, so optimising the protein uh, requirements for for yellowtail kingfish, looking at copepods, which are a tiny little um, you know, part of the you know. Part of the plankton in the ocean, the zooplankton, and are the main prey item of most uh, marine fish, and they're a very good uh, food source for marine fish. Uh, and we'll look; we'll be looking at uh, isolating and identifying uh, species from, from the South African estuaries um, to to feed to the uh, the baby fish in the in the hatchery because they're much better than that than the current feeds that we feed them at the moment, which are are brine shrimp, uh, Artemia, and rotifers. Um, It's another line that I've been busy with. And then been doing some work um, on the Abalone farm with one of my students working on um, sea cucumbers and looking at putting sea cucumbers in the bottom of of abalone tanks because sea cucumbers uh, are detritivores and they will utilise the nutrient uh, waste from the from the abalone, and they will essentially help recycle that nutrient waste. And we found that uh, my student, my PhD student, she's busy writing up at the moment. She, she found that if we put sea cucumbers in the bottom of the tanks, um, it improves the water quality and the abalone actually grow better if they've got these abalone if they've got these sea cucumbers in the tanks. And we also don't need to clean the tanks as regularly um, when we. Uh, have sea cucumbers mm-hmm. in the tanks because they obviously reducing the amount of nutrients. So that's called that, that new uh, sort of, well, it's not new, but I mean, it's been labeled now uh, IMTA or integrated multi-trophic aquaculture, meaning that you have different levels of feeding levels within your um, your aquaculture system. Um, so, yeah. and, and the, nutrient, the nutrient levels get passed through the system. So essentially you're cleaning the water better, you're being mm-hmm. more, more environmentally responsible yeah. And a lot of the abalone farms actually, those in areas where they have lots of area uh, of space, uh, actually use that nutrient-loaded water, which has got a lot of ammonia when it's passed through the abalone tanks, to grow seaweed, right? And then that seaweed, they then, which obviously extracts the nutrients from the water, is then fed back to the abalone. And so you, again, you're improving the water quality, but you're also creating a food for your for your seaweed, uh, for your abalone. And South Africa is actually leading. The way around the world in terms of INTA on um, on abalone and seaweed development, we've been doing it for about twenty years, um, and the rest of the world's only realising now mm. that this is opportunity, which is fantastic. So we've had you know members of uh, from around Europe come out here and um, Australia to come and see what's been going on around here um, uh, in terms of, and and when we had the, the Italian and the French, de- we had a French delegation recently as well. You know, they were very impressed with the, um, yeah, the amount of research and and the sort of understanding that we've got on this topic. So very varied. My research sort of covers various species and, um, production-based stuff. I like to, yeah, trying to tweak and help industry so we can grow and build this industry,
0: um, you know, going forward. It sounds kind of like on land, like farmaculture, um, so that was that the right word for like growing things together
1: in the. Freshwater environment, we have uh, uh, aquaponics, and and uh, aquaponics is obviously the integration of hydroponics uh, plants, and then and then with uh, fish or aquatic organ- uh, uh, animals, um, and then utilizing the nutrient stream from the plant uh, from the fish uh, to feed your your plants. It's quite tricky. It's technically quite quite tricky to get right because you have too much nutrient in the water obviously uh, from the fish you know um, it can still be dangerous to the fish but if you don't have enough it's not good enough for your plants and you then have to co-fertilize and you can't disease treat for diseases on the plants with pesticides otherwise it affects the fish etc so it's technically quite tricky yeah. and and and. Um, but it's but it's been done, you know, people are, are able to, you know, run a small sort of little uh, uh, operation on maintaining and setting lettuces and, and, and leafy green vegetables, etc. And then having a few tilapia or trout or something like that, which they then harvest. But. Um, that's that's sort of the freshwater side of it. It is also IMTA to a degree, but um, yeah, you know, the, the, the the IMTA in the ocean, you know, with mussels and oysters, and then feeding, you know, sea cucumbers and urchins feeding underneath cages of of marine finfish and then seaweed, being uptaking the dissolved nutrients in the water system, and you're trying to clean up the water in that area by farming a number of species, which you then can add value to and, and
0: sell. Yeah. So expanding out to the rest of the agriculture industry in South Africa, can you give us like a summary of like what is going on? Maybe a bit about uh, our industry, uh, like history, but like what are the major players right now in the industry in South Africa?
1: Sure. So, I mean, the, the global industry, um, aquaculture industry produces around 82 million tons of, of aquaculture product a year. Um, and um, sub-Saharan Africa uh, produces around two point two percent of that. So we we're very small in terms of Southern Africa, and then South Africa only produces about seven thousand tons per year. So we are very very. Very small play, role plays in in terms of global world production, right? So, we are about point zero two percent of global production. So we're not big players at all compared to you know uh, you know Asia, parts of Asia, Central Africa, you know where where there's a lot of aquaculture happening. Think about it, South Africans aren't very much. We don't eat a lot of of, of fish, right? Um, across all cultures, uh, you know, uh, black, white, um, you know. Um, it doesn't matter there's that we don't have a culture in south africa generally of of, of eating fish so the, the the main species that dominate aquaculture in south africa tend to be the high value species those that are marketed at uh, sort of um middle to upper class you know so white tablecloth restaurants uh, high value products so the most most farmed species, in terms of number, is is, oyster, is mussels, sorry, and uh, that's about three thousand of the seven thousand tons is is, is mussel farm from mussel farming, um, and then um, trout is about a thousand five hundred tons, uh, freshwater trout. So that's in a lot of the Western Cape and up in Pumalanga and, and in the cooler areas of Natal. And then abalone are our most valuable species that we farm, uh, also about 1,600 tons. And that is pretty much all for export. And abalone are worth about 50 Rand, 50 US dollars per kilogram. So um, you know the total value of our of our um, industry. Uh, in 2019 I think was about 1.2 billion rand that was the contribution to the GDP um, of which about 78% was made up by Abalone. So Abalone is the is the major player in terms of, of value um, and in to- terms of, of, of employment at the moment. Um, and then tilapia make up a small amount of about 300 tons um, and um, yeah, oysters of about 300 and 400 tons Per year, so you're, the, the, the 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 shellfish, the oysters, and the mussels are predominantly farmed down in the Western Cape in Saldana Bay, where there's a lot of upwelling from the you know from the uh, uh, on the west coast, which creates lots of nutrient-rich water to to feed um, to feed the oysters and the mussels, um, and then there is a small um, oyster farm in Algoa Bay as well, um, but that's not it's not as um, productive, although well, the, 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 the animals don't grow as, uh, as quickly and rapidly as they do in, in Saldana. There's not as much a nutrient there. The water is slightly warmer, so there's a bit of a, uh, a give and take um, in terms of, of, of uh, um, growth rates. Um, but Abalone farms are, are are situated mainly down in the Western Cape. We have one lone farm sitting up here um, just outside East London. and um, and then the 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 trout farms as i say are are all around all over the place so um uh, all around southern africa um in terms of um freshwater side you can see the freshwater i mean if you think about trout dominates but but our freshwater uh, tilapia and catfish are are very small contributors at the moment and it's something that we are hoping to be able to grow um, and and create a, a it's all about creating a market um, as well as i was saying earlier it's it's a situation where we're in a situation where a lot of people don't eat fish um you know as often as as they do in other places around the world
0: yeah hmm. so they're just a, a culture of, of Food is, is a problem for the industry, which is quite serious. <laughs> I suppose you you need people to be uh, wanting uh, your your product, supply. If you, I mean, demand. You order know, if you create supply, and then you know put more effort and energy and money into to the industry. But what other kinds of major um, kind of pitfalls are we facing in South Africa for this industry? okay so,
1: so cultural you know, culturally is is obviously an important one, and it's it's probably in terms of unlocking our, our, our expansion and growth is is probably our biggest one but you know South Africa is also you know um in a in a part of the world where on the southern tip of Africa where the sea is very rough, it's not called the Cape of Storms. For, for, for no good reason and where I live up in the East London it's not called the wild coast for, for no good reason. So, you know our, our seas are very, very rough and that then, you know excludes the possibility of doing um, cage culture um, and cage farming around the world in terms of, you know, aquaculture growth and development um, is one of the big opportunities and one of the big areas of expansion you know, if we're looking at salmon or or yellowtail, you know, and some of the, the other kingfish species, for example, tuna, you know, they're all being farmed in these massive ocean based cages. And, um, Putting these cages outside in the open ocean is very risky business, you know, a big sea comes through it, washes it away and it's multi multi million dollar investment sort of capital being put in there. Um, So so the risk is just too high. So the only other place to do that is in sort of protected bays. And then uh, so we've got pretty much, you know, we've got a few bays around Southern Africa, but not that many um, where. Where, where potentially you could do some farming, but they don't all always meet all the requirements there. Algoa Bay, for example, is a lovely big bay, but it's not very deep. You know, don't get a lot of water movement uh, through there, so flushing out of, of you know, um, feces and, and nutrients from, from that system would become problematic in t- with time. And then... Um, the, and the, on the freshwater side of things, you know, we live in a water scarce country, so again, not our fault. It's the way that it is, and 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 you know, people need to sometimes understand. You know, you you don't farm uh, you don't farm bananas in in the Western Cape. Um, you can farm bananas in the Western Cape. You can grow them in a tunnel, but but it's an expensive way to farm bananas. Um, and similarly, looking at trying to grow species in areas which aren't suitable is is also uh, something which. You know, it creates the impression that aquaculture doesn't work. Where, when, when actually it's not fair on, on, on obviously, um, yeah, that that being tagged with, given that tag, that uh, you know it was pretty, it was a poor decision to start farming a particular species in that area. So certain areas must be uh, you know that are identified to farmers, but to, you know, where somebody wants to farm a particular species, it should be suitable for farming that species. It should be if you're wanting mm-hmm. to do a tilapia or something. They like tropical conditions or warm water. You can't be farming in an area where the water going to be cold for six months of the year, um, and then you're going to have mortality and, and poor growth, and then complain that you know things aren't working, etc. So we've got to be we've got to be mindful of 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 those kind of things. And then you know, you know, we have a a, a real issue with alien invasives in South Africa, trout, bass, for example, that were introduced here for fishing. You know. Um, you know, in the last sort of hundred years or so and have become entrenched and become problematic. And so we don't want the same situation to happen with, with something like Nile Tilapia again. So there is uh, serious legislation in terms of limiting where species can be kept. Um, and there's got to be some compromise obviously with with sector development and trying to grow the sector for food security initiatives, for example, and balancing the need for protecting the, the biodiversity, etc. And those are things that we're still grappling with with, with government. And uh, the you know the, the, the freshwater farming um, community are you know uh, in constant uh, discussions and, and looking at you know expanding their areas, um, but having to do so responsibly. So those are the sort of things that are sort of are, are sort of hindering us at the moment. But again, you know we've we've got to create a create a a demand market for people to want to buy fish and eat fish. Um, and uh, educate people and, you know, uh, the youth, so that you culturally you will change and entrench a culture of of eating fish if we're wanting to expand our uh, the fish side of, of, of things. Because abalone are going to be exported. The Asians, no one's going to pay 50 US dollars for a kilogram of abalone, right? Well, yeah. I won't, uh, <laughs> locally. So there's no real market for the abalone locally, but uh, for other species, most definitely. Marine finfish, for example, yeah. the dusky cob and the yellowtail. There's there's uh, there's a different market for that at the moment. So the farm that I'm working at has got a lot of, of, of agriculture happening, starting to happen there, and and production has has stepped up to supply the local market.
0: Hmm. On the other side of that coin, like what like like what is, what is there hopeful to look forward to on the horizon? Like is uh, like what does the future look like if if things go well?
1: Well, yes. I mean, you know, the fact that uh, that, that the world is is growing, that the population of the planet is growing. We're looking at um, eight billion people now, you know, on Earth, and uh, our food, our seafood consumption per capita is, is sitting at around twenty kilograms per person per year, um, you know, on average. So, if you think we don't eat twenty kilograms, we don't even eat a few kilograms per year. If you ask the vast majority of South Africans how much fish they eat, um, it might be a couple of kilograms. You think. That there's countries that are eating double that to offset our 20 kilograms that we don't eat um so there's a vast there is a huge demand for seafood uh and 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 and, and culture aquatic product right so so the growth of the industry is uh, aquaculture is a reality and it, it it is going to happen um the fisheries our world's fisheries are set you know we're we, we, we harvesting them at a, at, at a maximum uh, level at the moment of about 80 to 90 million metric tons a year. We can't take any more out the sea. So the shortfall has to come from somewhere, and it's going to have to come from agriculture. Mm. Um, and um, it's about being responsible, right? So, you know, in the 70s and 80s, you know, around the world in Asia, they particularly, they would just decimate mangroves, hectares and vast hectares of of, of mangrove area and turn them into shrimp Uh, farms, and then, uh, you know, high culture, I mean, high density shrimp farming, which would just, you know, just destroy the environment. And then it's going to take like 80 to 100 years for those areas to come back to to being anything nearly as productive as they might have been, you know, when they were pristine. So... You know, and and, and same with uh, the salmon industry. You know, there was a lot of, of emphasis on, on on some of the salmon farms being irresponsible, high nutrient loading, etc. Um, you know, detriments to the de, you know detrimental to the to the benthic flora and fauna, um, and and the local areas. So, but there's been a, a a big shift now in terms of responsibility, right? I mean, I think the internet and, and access to social media, for example, has been a big driver in that the people are way more aware of uh, you being environmentally, if you're a co- the company that you're wanting to buy your food from, is environmentally um, uh, conscious as well about making sure they're making, you know, doing as best they can, that they're sourcing their fish meal, for example, from a sustainable source or sustainable fishery. The fish meal is a major component in the food of a lot of fish, fish diets, right? Um, but those same companies also looking at reducing the fish meal component and replacing it with other ingredients so that you don't rely on fish meal so much so that we can relieve pressure on the fisheries, on the, on, on the, on the, on the world's fisheries. So, so there is a desperate need for aquaculture to grow. And in South Africa, Um, We have massive, massive poverty and and unemployment and and especially in rural areas, you know, the idea then to to try and develop aquaculture in these areas is is something that government needs to be putting more effort into, I think, in terms of driving uh, extensive scale, you know, so stocking fish into dams and areas, obviously the right species that aren't going to become a problem in terms of biodiversity in the right areas and then allowing people to go and harvest and catch them and and, and fish them out themselves. You know, let the fish grow in those things like mullet, for example, they won't breed in a freshwater environment. Um, So if we spawn them in in a hatchery and then take the juveniles and put them in freshwater dams, let them grow, they're low trophic species, they feed on detritus and the phytoplankton and the zooplankton, so you don't even need to feed them. And then they can be, um, you know, be fed, put out into into, um, in, into dams, and then and then people can go and fish for those. Uh, you know, the local rural uh, communities can go and, and fish and access those. So these are things that we we can be looking forward to to making a, a difference with. Going yeah. forward,
0: about so, um, so like um, how we, things that we can do. Like if uh, for the students um, interested tangentially in this type of stuff or even people with a bit of money or skills, how can they actually get involved uh, with the industry if they work in it or try and grow it? what can an individual do?
1: Well, if you're a student, my suggestion would be that you go to your lecturers in your zoology department or whatever, if, if you're doing sciences or biology or botany or whatever it happens to be in the sciences and go and speak, see if you can find somebody who does anything on aquaculture. If somebody does do a, <coughs> something on aquaculture, and you're at a third year on an honors level, you might want to ask if they possibly offer something can give you an honors project or a project on that, right, on aquaculture, so that you can get yourself into the sort of see what's going on. Um, and then I would also suggest that you get hold of uh, the, the aquaculture association. You can look at through the ASA website. I'll send you the details. Um, and we have our we have our biennial conference Uh, so we had one this year so we'll have one in 2024 again and we have a lot of student representation they're presenting their research um, and it provides a great opportunity because the students get to present their research we have a lot of industry members who attend the conference and then it's almost like a bit like a job interview an informal job interview where students are exposed they can meet and chat to to potential employers as well Um, so the industry yeah getting in contact with the industry uh it is quite a small industry so it's best to try and expose yourself as often as you can to these kind of uh, in, in any workshops etc where where industry members etc might be interested uh, involved we do also on the uh, aquaculture website offer uh, um, post positions and also join the sancor mailing list uh um, south african national coastal and oceanographic research mailing list um as a student and then you'll get job uh you know
0: uh, adverts etc sent to you yep. i'll link into the description or places where you can potentially get in touch with the industry and with with profile i um, mean as well um, thanks so much for joining uh, on the show neil it's been uh, quite an insightful chat enjoy
1: thanks so much uh Giannis. thanks for having me and um yeah please anyone's welcome to get hold of me on the the details that i'll share with you and there is a link to a youtube clip of my research that my students have been busy with doing um, um of late so it'll give you some insights to the kind of work we're doing um at fort here
0: right. well, thanks for joining the show and cheers
1: thanks so much Yanis. have a lovely day cheers everyone.